Why? Because we got just enough of God, we think, right? Just enough of God so that we think we're saved. But we're really living by the things of the world. In, in uh, C.S. Lewis' book, The Screwtape Letters, I think it's the seventh letter that, that he writes. Uh, the Screwtape Letters, if you haven't heard of it, it's, it's a book that is uh, really a, a senior devil uh, whose name is Screwtape. He writes letters to his, his nephew, a junior devil, by the name of Wormwood. And he's telling Wormwood how to win the battle, how to engage Christians so that the opposition, so that Satan can, can prevail. And in the seventh letter, uh, this is what, uh, what, what Screwtape writes to Wormwood. He says, keep the people apathetic. That's a tactic. Keep them apathetic. One foot with God, one foot in the world. Because when we have them apathetic, we got nothing to worry about. That's how we win. And he writes this, he says, gradually the patient will be distracted from faith and become numb to the touch of God. When we live in this position, distracted from faith, numb to the touch of God. So we need to recognize this morning that, that when we say we're gonna get her done, and when we say we're gonna make commitments to God, and maybe for you this is, you, you find that this transcends the get her done campaign. Anytime you try to make this move in your life, to realign your life to God's will and God's purposes, the opposition is gonna come at you. The opposition is gonna come after you. And maybe the, the opposition has already come after you in, in, in thinking about this campaign. You came this morning and you were, you were intending to give. You're gonna say, I'm, I'm gonna give generously. I'm gonna give till it hurts and you were ready to write that check where your arm was going wild. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, you know, but I really, I got that car repair coming up. I got that new shoes that we need. I got to pay for this. Oh, and what about that? If I do that, fear grips us. If I let it go, I might not have enough. Or maybe you decide you were going to open your mouth and you were going to, like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to start sharing my faith with other people. And, and instead you go really to share your mouth, but it's like, oh, who am I? I don't know enough. I'm, maybe I'm too dumb. What if they turn on me and they start asking me questions and I don't know, and all of a sudden our insecurities start filling our mind? And, and what if we were, like, going to step up and say, you know what, I'm going to step up and serve. I'll, I'll help at Trunk or Treat. I will help uh, the church with Arts Camp. I will help in the children's ministry. And in so many different ways, you said, I'm going to step up to a new level of leadership. Oh, but I don't have any time. If I do that, I'm going to have to give up this thing over here to do this thing for God, and I don't really want to give this up. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray today. Well, I was going to pray. I thought about praying. Has the enemy come after you already? Because the opposition is out there because the opposition does not want us to get her done. The opposition does not want you in your life to get on God's agenda and start taking territory for the kingdom of God. And so we need to see that we are going to be facing opposition. That's exactly what God's people faced here. They faced opposition. And, and we need to recognize that because God tells us in, in the book of Ephesians that we are in a spiritual battle. God says you're in a spiritual battle. He says your struggle in Ephesians 6.12 is not against flesh and blood. 
That's world. It's not against the people of the world here. That's not it. But your battle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Did you hear that word? Your battle is against, 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 against. And we get this listing of, of, of evil forces, if you think in terms of maybe military. You know how you have the, the five-star general, and you got the lieutenant, and you got the sergeant, and you work your way all the way down to the private? That's exactly what's being listed here. We have this force of evil that's, that's unleashed in the heavenly realms and from the, from, the, from the lowest private making back up to the sergeant, to the lieutenant, to the general, all those forces and powers are coming against us. And they're against God. And that's where our spiritual battle is happening. And too often as Christians, I don't think we live with that awareness. That we are in a spiritual battle because the things we do for God, taking his kingdom... Bringing God's kingdom to this world, fighting against sin, that's a spiritual battle, and it's fought in the heavenly realms. And the heavenly realms is doing everything it can to stop us from moving that kingdom forward. And so we need to get out of our apathy. We need to wake up, and we need to put our nose to the grindstone and say, we're going to get her done. But when we do, we need to recognize that we are going to face opposition. But the good news is, when we face opposition, Nehemiah shows us exactly how to take on that opposition. As the story continues in, in Nehemiah chapter 4, we have all those armies coming against Nehemiah, coming against the people in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah says in verse 9, he says in verse 9, what's the first word? But, because we are but people. There we have it again. The world says, seems like it's going this way, but as Christians, we have God. And so what seems like it should be the way of the world, we have three armies surrounding us. We're standing on a pile of rubble. We're exiled. We're barely surviving. But we have God. What the world thinks isn't the same for us as Christians. We're butt people. And Nehemiah says, all that opposition seems like it's coming against us, seems like it's going to overtake us, but we, what did we do? What's the word? Prayed. We prayed. Oh, my goodness, we prayed. The first thing we do when we face opposition is we pray. That should be our first response. We pray. John Bunyan wrote this quote. He says, you can do more than pray after you prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Let's going to say that again because it's a little confusing. You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Amen. Prayer is the very first thing we do. Why? because prayer is the most significant weapon we have because we know that we're in a battle, and it's a spiritual battle. And when we pray to God, we unleash the spiritual forces of God's kingdom on the spiritual forces of the enemy. God has chosen to work through our prayers, and God says, you call out to me, and God responds through the prayers of his people. And we need to be on our knees. When we're facing opposition, the very first thing we have to do is, boom, drop to our knees. 
We start praying. And we pray and we pray and we pray and the scriptures tell us that we pray unceasingly. We pray unceasingly. Why do we pray unceasingly? Because what are those forces of evil doing? Attacking us unceasingly. Numbing us to the very things of God, keeping us attacked. So we pray with fervent prayers. We pray to God to fill us with his spirit. We pray to God for victory. We pray to God to defeat the enemy. We, we, we unleash all kinds of prayers on the enemy, and that's the very first thing we do, is that we pray, and that's what Nehemiah did. He prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. We actually see, I skipped over his prayer in verse four. He prayed in verse four. He comes back, and then he says in verse nine, we prayed, and they're praying again and again. We need to pray. We need to pray. So are you facing opposition today? Maybe it's for the Get Her Done campaign that we're calling you to, but also maybe it's an adjustment in life that you've made to another situation in your life where you're trying to say, I'm going to walk as God wants me to walk. Pray, because those spiritual forces are coming at you. Nehemiah says, but we prayed to our God. And then in verse 9 he says, we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. That's the second thing that I see Nehemiah does. He prays, and the opposition doesn't go away. The opposition is still coming. Prayer is not a, necessarily a magic cure-all. The opposition is still coming. And Nehemiah says, so what we did is we posted a guard. And the second thing that I think we need to do is we need to be on guard against the enemy. To be on guard against the enemy. Because if we're not on guard against the enemy, then he can attack us, right? He can attack us. I like to, you know, watch movies, and I'm sure you guys do too, and there's always a scene in the movies, uh, especially if they're like heist movies or they're, you know, spy movies or they're uh, one of those kind of movies where they're trying to sneak into a building and they always have to get past the security guard. Now, if it's a, you know, if it's one of those... Uh, uh, tough guy movies, they just sneak up on the security guard, and usually the security guard is sleeping, right? He's sleeping at the job. He's always in his chair. He's sleeping. He's snoring, and so usually what they do is they just come up behind him and grab his neck and just like snap it. That's in the tough guy movies, but if you're not watching the tough guy movies, then they, what they usually do is they like grab a donut, stuff it in his mouth, take the, take the tape at the desk, spin him around and around and around, and so he gets all tied up. So either way, the point is, whatever, you've seen that scenario played over and over again, they're able to get in because the security guard is sleeping. He's not paying attention. And when he's not paying attention, the attack is able to come. And that's what we have to do. We need to live knowing that we're in a spiritual battle. We need to live knowing that Satan wants to keep me right here apathetic. We need to live knowing that all these commitments that we're, we're choosing to make to advance the kingdom of God we know that Satan wants us to not make any of those commitments. And he's going to do everything he can to keep us from doing those things for God. And so we need to live with an awareness and be on guard, not fall asleep. Be watching, be looking for him in all ways and at all times. And I think our, our radar to the ways of Satan gets most turned on 
By reading the Word. By reading the truth of God's Word. Because this reveals to us God's ways. This reveals to us God's heart. This reveals to us God's priorities. And the enemy is a deceiver. And so as we're watching for the enemy, the enemy will come at us and tell us, no, don't do that. Well, I need to take that thought and I need to measure it up against God's word. So if the enemy comes at me and says, no, I don't want you to, that, that's silly, you should give your time over here rather than, than stand up and help those who are poor and those who are hurting and those who haven't heard about me. We run that through the filter of the Bible. What's the truth? That God wants me to have a heart for the poor and for those who haven't heard him and those who are hurting? Or does he want me to give all my free time to my self-indulgent activities? I run it through here, and I'm on guard. And the scriptures tell us then that we, 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 we are transformed through the renewing of our minds. That's where Satan wants to deceive us, with those lies. And so we listen to what he says, we run it through the filter of, of God's word, and then what we do is if it doesn't match up with God's word, I, I love the Bible because it just says helpful words. Paul tells us to, to stomp it out, to crush it, or he says flee from it, and he says run from it, or he says trash it, or all those kinds of things that if it's of the enemy, I'm on guard, I'm looking for him to come, I know he's going to attack my mind, that's how he's going to move us, attack our minds, and uh, convince us that, oh man, you don't want to give, you don't want to give to help help the church. Why don't you give instead and, and build, a, why don't you build a bigger house for yourself? Why don't you buy more clothes? Why don't you buy the newest entertainment system? This, the word says no. All that stuff is where raw um, moth and rust will destroy. But the things that I do for God's kingdom have eternal value. That's how I'm going to live. So that thought, Satan, boom, it's gone. It's not a part of my life. And I'm on guard. But if you're not in the word, if you're not reading the word of God, if you're not living under teaching, telling you about God's word, if you're not filling yourself with the mind of God, then you'll be filled with the mind of the enemy. And really, what are you spending more time filling your mind with right now? Are you spending more time filling your mind with the things of God? Or are you spending more time listening to pop music, watching Netflix, listening to your neighbor? Who gets more time? Who's filling your mind more? Because that probably would tell us exactly Who's controlling your mind? And I'm saying be on guard. Get into God's word so you know. So you know and you can stop the enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6, that statement on, on uh, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, because we're in that battle, says Paul, it says, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, verse 13, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. He says the enemy's going to come at you, but you put on the armor of God and you're going to stand. Because I don't know about you, but at the end of the battle, I don't want to be laying on the ground dead. I would prefer to be standing. I don't know about you, but the way we stand is to put on the armor of God. And we put it on, and we watch for the enemy. And when the enemy comes, we crush him. We crush him. 
because greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. Scriptures tell us that no temptation comes our way, that God will not provide a way out for us. We have that power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. But the enemy's one that tells us, tells us what? You're weak. You have no power. I'm going to win. And that, my friends, is a lie. Because the truth is, we're the victorious ones. And it is time the church started living into that victory. We pray. We stand on guard against this enemy. And then the third thing that we see coming up here is we continue to read in uh, Nehemiah. Let me get back there after Ephesians. Nehemiah chapter 4. As we read along. So now, okay, they prayed. We think we'd be in good, good position. We've prayed. We're standing on guard. Everything should go well. Meanwhile, oh, here's what's happening. While we prayed and we were standing on guard. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to the work. And then the Jews who live near, near us came and told us, 10 times over. Don't you love those kind of neighbors? Just in your ear over and over and over again, saying what? Wherever you turn, they're going to attack you. What's coming at them? Opposition. More opposition. The opposition is still coming. It's still coming. It's still coming. And friends, the opposition will continue to come. It's going to continue to come until that day where Jesus Christ returns. And on that day, Jesus will send the opposition to their eternal punishment. But until that day, the opposition is going to come and come and come. So he says in verse 13, well, therefore, it's time for me to do something again. Because I'm God's child. The enemy's going to still come with opposition. Therefore, I station some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Get this next line. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. In that moment as they're facing the opposition, what does Nehemiah do? He turns their attention from the world. He turns their attention from the problems, from the difficulties, from the opposition, from the pain, from the hurt, from the discouragement, from all the attacks on the enemy, and he turns their attention where? To God. Remember the Lord. Well, why should I remember him? Because he's great and awesome. He's great and awesome. He is great and awesome. Is Sambalat great and awesome? No. Is Tobiah great and awesome? No. Are all those forces together great and awesome? No. But is our God great and awesome? Yes. So look there. As we're told in the scriptures, don't put your eyes on the earth, but set your eyes on things above. And that's what we do when we face the opposition. Because the enemy doesn't want us looking at God who is great and awesome. Because great and awesome tells me I'm victorious. Great and awesome tells me I win. Great and awesome tells me I take the territory for the kingdom of God. 
But when my eyes are over here, the enemy, you're a loser. You're hopeless. You're in despair. There's not a chance. But we turn our eyes and we remember our God who is great and awesome. He's a sovereign God, we declare, which means he has power over everything. There's not one little thing that God doesn't have power over, that God is not in charge of. And Nehemiah in this day says, friends, don't look at what's going on in the world around you, but look to your God, and he will give you the power that we need. And look at verse 15. As we continue to go on, verse 15, it says, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot, then what did God do? And that God frustrated it. He frustrated their plot. God was great and awesome. All of these kingdoms coming after us while we're trying to rebuild the walls, and I'm with my little family, got my weapon on, and I'm trying to build the wall. I mean, really, how pathetic are they, right, if you think about it? They left because they had God fighting for them. They moved their eyes onto God, and they continued their work. From that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. So now what? We got a problem, right? We got a problem. Only half of the people are working. Only half of the men did the work because the others had the shields, the bows, and the armor. You would think, how is this job ever going to get done? It was a big enough job when all of us worked together. But now because of the opposition, only half of us can work together. So there they are. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. So not only is the one half just standing there, the other half who is working is still getting weapons, so now they're only using one hand to do the work. And each of the builders wore his sword on his side as he worked, but the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Good words coming. Our God will fight for us. Our God will fight for us. Our God is sovereign. Our God is great. Why do I lift my eyes to my God in a time where I'm facing opposition? Because I know my God is going to fight for me. My God is going to fight for me. He's going to fight for me. When I open up my mouth to the thousand people that we want to reach with the good news of Jesus Christ so we can see that candle lit week after week after week, and I go and I open up my mouth, the enemy's going to come at me and say, don't open your mouth. You're going to say something stupid. It's going to be dumb. They're going to reject you. He's going to turn around. He's going to punch you in the face. You're an idiot. Why would you do this? The enemy's going to say that to you. But the truth tells me, what? My God is fighting for me. Who are you going to believe? The enemy, the deceiver, or are you going to believe God, who is great and awesome? And I open up my mouth, and I, so I say some dumb words. I will. But who, in those words as I'm saying them, who's fighting for me? God, it's God's work. Remember at the beginning, we're doing God's work. We're just the instruments. We're the people that God uses. And when I open my mouth, God works. And I say, well, you know what? I can't give very much. All I can give is just this little, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can make it, make it work. I don't, can God do something great with it? Yes, God works. As you give, God works. 
through it. Well, you know, I'm not very eloquent. I'm not, I'm not very gifted. I don't know if I can go mentor that child. I don't know if I can walk alongside them. I don't know what I would say. It's not about you. It's God who works, and he's fighting for you. we got to believe the Scriptures. I heard a quote the other day, which has just stuck with me. It said it's easy to uh, believe in God, but harder to believe God. And that just has, has rocked my world, because here's the chance. It says God will fight for you. Do you believe it? When you're facing the opposition, you turn your eyes towards God, and you say, I'm going to be engaged in his work. I'm going to get her done. I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to make those commitments. I'm going to help change this community through this church, and God will fight for me, and I believe it with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, because God says it right here in his words. He turns their attention, and they continue, uh, they continue to build, uh, but what we see is we move on. Uh, verse, I'm going to jump over to chapter 6. I want to jump over to chapter 6. Chapter 6 says, When the word came to Samballot, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had, what had happened, rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates. Okay, so are they having success? Yes. In spite of the opposition? Yes, they're rebuilding the wall. All they got to do is put the doors on. It's like the last 10 minutes of HGTV. They're, that's all they got to do. And then pretty soon they can stage the whole place for everybody to come in. It's a beautiful thing. But Sam Ballot and Geshem, the opposition, how are they feeling about all this being done? Not, good. Not so well. So they sent me a message that said, come, let us meet together in the villages on the plain of Ono. Um, geography matters, right? The plain of Ono, it's about 27 miles from Jerusalem. They want to get Nehemiah out of Jerusalem. They want to have a conversation with him. They just want to talk with him. Come, talk with me here. And so if I'm going to leave Jerusalem, I go 27 miles to the plains of Ono. And the Ono, plains of Ono, we know are plains. So you're standing out in the middle of a plain. I'm Nehemiah. I'm standing out in the middle of the plain. Guy, where's Samballot? Where's Tobiah? Where are the Arabs? What am I, what's liable to happen to me? I'm going to get attacked. I'm right there in the plains. All right? It's a setup. They're trying to set him up. And he should have known that right from the beginning. And he should have just said, oh, no. <laughs> Is there a clearer sign that you should not do something when it's called, oh, no? Can you have a clearer sign than that? So he says, but they were scheming to harm me. He saw through that. So I sent my messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave and go down to you? So what does he say to them? He says, I'm not coming. I'm standing on this wall because I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. The opposition is trying to lure him down. and Instead, he stands his ground. He says, I'm not going there. I'm not giving up. I'm not listening to your schemes because I'm doing a great work. And I love that conviction. And I think that needs to be our conviction. At the end of the day, that we defeat the enemy because we remember the great work that God has called us to do. 
We remember the great work that God has called us to do. That's the conviction. The enemy can look at me and whisper in my ear and say, come over here. I want this. I want to see this happen. This is much better for you. And I can say to him, no, because I'm doing a great work. I'm doing a great work. I'm doing kingdom work. What could be greater than bringing the kingdom of God to a lost and broken world? It was Jesus Christ who said, I've come to seek and save the lost. That's my purpose. I've come to give sight to the blind, to let the captives free, to heal the lame. And if those purposes are good enough for Jesus, they ought to be the perfect purposes for the church of Jesus Christ. And those are our purposes. It's a great work that we're doing. And we have to remember that. So when you get tempted to cave in, when you get tempted to say, well, I don't know if I want to make that commitment. Well, I'm not sure if I want to do that. What you need to remember is that your God is calling you to do a great work. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is about. The church of Jesus Christ is not just to gather on Sunday morning comfortably, sing a few songs, have coffee, and go home. That's not what the church is about. The church comes, we gather together, we lift up the name of God, we remember how great God is. We hear from his word, and then we go into the world to do a great work, to be his hands and feet, to be his voice. That's the great work. And so I have no, I have no apologies to saying to any of you, I want you to make commitments. I want you to make commitments because in my heart, I am calling you to the greatest work you can be a part of. Why would I let you leave this place and waste your life? Why would I do that? It's not very loving. I want to call you to the greatest work you could ever be involved in, and that's the work of Jesus Christ lived out through his church. Through the years, People have asked me about Orchard Hill, and they said, what's, what's going on at Orchard Hill? Why, you know, why uh, does Orchard Hill just seem kind of to be plateaued? What's going on in their church? I said, well, you know, we're doing some good things. Some, we've got some little pockets of everybody doing good things. But what's really holding us back is that, God's, they, they, that the people of Orchard Hill have to decide that they're going to get on God's agenda with him. That they're going to decide, I'm not going to have one foot in, in the world and one foot on God's, but I'm taking both feet and putting them in, in with God. And that's the commitment that people need to make. From the, from, and we learned last week who needs to make that commitment? All of us. It's a call to all of us. We're all part of this community. And if you're here, I'm asking all of you to be engaged in this great work that God has done. And it's, it's time to, to stop dilly-dallying around. It's time to stop playing church. You know, I, have a, I probably have another good 15 years of ministry left in me, and I'm not going to waste it, folks. I'm going to be lighting the fire around here because we got to be doing God's work, and it's a great work, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed to ask you to do it. Will you do it? Will you hear the call of God to do this great work? Because there's nothing better, and, and how awesome that is for us to be what God calls us to be, to be a light on the hill. That people who are walking in darkness go, I'm so tired of this darkness. You know, you, know how, you know how frustrating it is to walk in dark? You know how frustrating, how painful it is? How, how and to be able to go, there's people who can show me the light. They can show me the light. They can show me the way out of this depression. They can show me how to <coughs> put my marriage back together again. They can, they can show me the value that I have. It, do you know what it's like to be the salt of the earth? 
we know there's a lot of nastiness going on in this world. But we, the church, flavor it differently. Because there's something different about those people. Yes, we love God. This is what God's kingdom looks like. And we come and invite you to be a part of it. It's a great work. And so, friends, I just want to encourage you as you, as you leave here today, and, and we begin to consider next week with what we're calling our Commitment Sunday, is, is what kind of commitment will you make to God's work? And I'm just asking you to, to spend some time in prayer, as Rick said earlier. Pray through this. And, and we spent some time thinking about what are, the, what are the areas that we need to see happen for Orchard Hill to get her done, for us to be what God called us to be 25 years ago. I don't think this is it. I think it's much more than this. And I think I see the much more right, right around me, right here today. And I want to invite you to be a part of it. So will you carefully think about your commitment? And know this as you do it this week, as you think through it, and maybe even right now, the enemy's coming after you. Right now, you've got all kinds of reasons to say, I'm not filling out that card. I'm not bringing that card. I'm not doing that. I can't do that. Right now, know the enemy is coming after you. So get on your knees and pray. Get on your knees and pray to him. Get in the word and be on guard so that you're led by the truth, God's word. Remember your God who is great and awesome and know that he will give you the victory because he calls you to do a great work.